All right, Daniel, how's it going? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, something like something like that. I mean, it's funny, like, in general, I think we talked about this quite recently, that I've said, boasted, bragged, even, <laughs> that I find it quite, not easy, but I've got to a, an equilibrium with United where like, I can enjoy the shit out of the remotest little good thing that happens and put aside the bad things that happen. Yeah. But, I mean, losing cup final to City. And also in that manner, and I mean, we'll talk about that in a minute, like there were some aspects of the manner that were almost acceptable mm. and some aspects of the manner that were fucking unacceptable, <laughs> I guess. I didn't have a lot of confidence before the game, obviously, for obvious reasons. And I suppose if City had walked five in by tiki tackering it around Victor Lindelof, it'd be like, okay, but you actually... I would not have been okay if that would no, happen. No, would not have been okay, but <laughs> but you kind of go, okay, well, that's kind of part of the course or whatever. But felt like both goals were very preventable. Even if clearly they were the superior sides. It's like you're going away going, ah, just too many ifs there. But that itself is horrible. The fact that part of us is sort of pleased that we lost the cup final to City only 2-1. That in the back of my mind, and especially stood there behind that goal when they score after whatever it is, 12 seconds, and you're thinking, oh, this team does not usually respond that well to that kind of adversity. And I guess to finish off the point I was making at the beginning, like since then, it feels like quite a long time ago. Yeah. It actually wasn't because then, like I mentioned earlier, it was my anniversary that day. So I had a night out, went to see Major Leagues with my wife that night, and then went to see Beyonce the second time on Sunday. But Beyonce in the back of my mind. Well, I've, I realised actually that I have now seen Beyonce more times than I've seen Bob Dylan. Uh, we went, yeah, we went on went Tuesday night family trip with my daughter, my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, my niece and me in the seats. And then me and my wife just went standing yesterday. And just still kind of going around my mind that, I am quite irritated by what happened. <laughs> I think I I always we always we always say that obviously Ten Hag knows ball better than we do, but yeah. I do think that my team that I picked for this game was better than his. <laughs> and <laughs> well, like, said, in, in said, a couple of specific cases, right? I think you, if I remember correctly, you wouldn't have had Ericsson in the side, and he had a a stinker. To be honest, I mean, it was really bad and he got pulled off after an hour, but it could have been much earlier than that. I, I, I think you probably had Dave in the side, though. And... I Right. So I did not. I did mean, I know? did in the end. But after West Ham, I think I said it on the pod and I definitely said it on a radio interview. And I chastised myself afterwards for this, for being unprofessional. For, But I said after West Ham that he needed to be Jim Layton. Yeah. That it was, that it was enough. He, and he... He was no longer someone who I trusted remotely to play yeah, a goal yeah. for us. Yeah. And we saw it again. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. I mean, he probably couldn't have saved the first one. It wasn't in the corner, though, was it? <laughs> if, he, if he could have done, he wouldn't have done. I think he wouldn't have got to it, but he made no attempt to get to it. Yeah. Then whether he got injured and stayed on when he shouldn't, either way, he lets in a P-roller. And let it be said that, well, that wasn't just his fault. It was that stupid foul mm-hmm. that Freddie gave away. Yeah, yeah. And then no one on the man on the edge either. Yeah. But you're there for that. 
<laughs> You're there for those reasons. No, that, that's right. That and and like throughout the game, the oh, the other failings were very apparent. I mean, there weren't a lot of crosses going in. It's not really City's bag, but the distribution from the back. I mean, he just he just goes against team plan constantly. And afterwards, and I don't, I don't want to go to the end first, but afterwards, Ten Hag made some comments that made it sound less than equivocal about Dave for the first time ever, really. And he was talking about his passing because I think someone actually asked him about that. And and it's a massive problem because United are under pressure constantly. And it was it's kind of to come to the goal, the first goal, which may or may not have been possible to save. I mean, he got him, the balance was wrong with Dave. That's why I didn't try and didn't try and dive. Clearly, City had planned that from the beginning because they go back to the keeper straight from kickoff, launch one, route one. Harlan plants himself over towards Victor Lindelof's side. It was actually it was actually Casemiro he beat in the air, and it all comes from there. Completely planned put United under aerial pressure straight away and get a shot off. And, I mean, it's just worked to treat for them. But Dave wasn't ready. The defenders weren't ready. No one fought for the second ball. I'm not uh, letting everyone else off either. But, yeah, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling about it because there were so many errors. <laughs> so, on the first goal, the thing that I, I think probably he couldn't have saved it, but... Is it, I think it's Lindelof who lets it bounce. And maybe he couldn't have got to it. Yeah. But also, I think that the proper defenders that we've seen get to that ball before it bounces and get rid of it in some way. And what you said about De Gea and, 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 and the clearances, it, I mean, I was watching it thinking, this is sure, is this a plan? That he's lashing it up at Big Jaden Sancho? Yeah. To, win, to win the knockdowns, like what the fuck? It's not because you can see the the defenders split in order to retain possession. I don't think United were doing the thing of the defender taking the the goal kick. City were, but they split and then he lashes it upfield, or there's an easy pass on. He doesn't trust himself and he bangs it upfield, and United lose the ball fifty percent of the time. It's it's incredible. He just he, he not only is he a liability on the basics of keeping like catching a ball, saving a ball, and that's... but everything else too. <laughs> <laughs> there was a moment just before half time, I think it was, when we're thinking, Christ, like, because when we equalise, we were thinking that this actually, I would have taken, and I hate to say this, I would have taken probably 2-1 with 70 minutes to go. And then if we're still in the game with a, with a puncher's chance, that felt like with the team that we had, because ultimately we don't have the players to not have Martinez and to not have Anthony, two two starters, two important yeah, players. Yeah. Whatever, you, whatever you, people, not everyone likes Anthony. We don't have anyone else that can play his position, right? And his ability to carry the ball forward and keep it, particularly in a game like this one, yeah, yeah. is yeah. essential. We don't have that, so it felt like we had a puncher's chance. We either get a goal, we get the first goal and hang on, or just try and stay in the game and scab something at some point. And then they get this cross, and it comes in, and it's. It's behind the penalty spot, even, and Casemiro has to head it away. It's just like, how how is that? You can't have. He's, he's a table football goalkeeper. He move, can move side to side quite quickly. He just yeah. can't go backwards and forwards. Not not even it's just not even in his own six yard box. Unless it's like two or three yards from the line, he doesn't go for it anymore. He doesn't trust himself. So and yeah, I and then we 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 actually. I, to go back to the team that we picked, also, 
I also felt like I totally understand why he wanted Garnacho off the bench. He's a brilliant substitute. Mm-hmm. And when you bring on that kind of pace, directness and aggression against players who've been playing for an hour in the sun, then it is important. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think that with the players we had available, we could afford to leave him in reserve. And I guess my argument for leaving him in reserve was it might be 3-0 by then. Yeah, yeah. But... I think you could say that we saw when we came him on, okay, when he came on, why he's a good sub, but I would look at it that we saw when he came on, he worried he worried Carl Walker in a way that yeah. no one else did. No, that, um, that's very true. And I think the comparison is not really with Sancho there, because actually I don't think Sancho had a particularly bad game. He's not as impactful, clearly. He's just a completely different type of player. I think the, the choice was about the, the system. He tried to get an extra midfielder in by having Fred and Casemiro and Ericsson and pushing Bruno wide. And if Anthony had been fit, he wouldn't have done that, probably. Would he? He would have probably had Fred and Casemiro and no Ericsson. So it's, it's a choice of like, okay, what formation do I want in order to get some of the ball and use it? And it was also a, it was, it was a challenge because if you're going to have only 40% possession, which is what United had, you need to be able to at least turn the ball and transition quickly. And yeah, I couldn't do that with that system with two slow players out wide and Marcus that's, Rashford miles away from anyone else. So That's it. There was no pace. There was no pace in that team. No. And when you're playing a team like that, you're basically assuming that you're not going to get a strange penalty. So it's going to be, you're going to, you basically, you're looking for goals on the counter or goals on the counter press, basically. That's yes. how, that's, that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, force and an error. Pitch... And then it's the hardest team to force a goal on the counter press, City. And... The counter maybe, but I think one of the things with Stones now playing in midfield is they're less vulnerable to that. I mean, it only took Guardiola, what, 10, 15 years of management to work this out, but he did eventually work it out um, that his teams are vulnerable to the counter. The counter press is they almost never lose the ball in their defensive third. It's a really hard um, one. But... You've got one, but Bruno Fernandes is the best player in this team. He's the soul of the team, really. Sticking him on the wing like that in a game, because who is slipping the balls through for Rashford? Like, what you want mm-hmm. is they've got three defenders. So you're looking, covering the full width of the pitch, really. So you're looking mm-hmm. for space in between them. And the guy that's likely to find it, and he was one of our better players, I thought, Bruno. Mm-hmm. Bruno Bruno and Varane, probably, I thought, were our best yeah, players. Yeah. And you can't mud and also you can't you've got Rashford playing in his not best position i i thought that that basically had to be done i i don't i'm not criticizing tenach for that i don't think he had an option there but if you've got him out of position to then have bruno out of position as well so you can play someone inferior in his position just didn't make a lot of sense no, to me and i, I don't it, think that tenach has had a good last couple of months he might go general. away with that if Ericsson had had a decent game but he had a real stinker, and he's he's had a stinker for a few weeks now, hasn't he? So no reason to think he was going to play well. Yeah, it's, it's a real challenge because he, he he can be beautiful in possession. He's got quite a few assists this season. You think about the ball progression through midfield or the build up to ball progression, and he is pretty good at that. But physically, he just looks shot. I mean, I don't know how many games he's had, or maybe he's just not been quite right since he came back from that injury maybe he came back too early I don't know uh, but he doesn't look quite right Casemiro also looked knackered quite early in the game I mean if it if we if McTominay had got that one in under the bar I don't think we'd have had a chance of dying on our feet by the end and but... I think that I was watching when you play a team in a cup final that are better than you 
it just felt to me like to go and try and win that game, you've got to go in with some aggression and some intensity. And Ten Huff isn't like he does want intensity, but he's not the kind of manager that is going to wind up the team. Like the kind of team talk that Fergie would have given before that game. And obviously, like in a, in a sense, I'm totally bullshitting it because I don't know what team talk Fergie would have given. But there's there's one doing the rounds on the internet that I actually watched just before of Postacoglu giving a team talk to some Australia players. And it's quite Fergie-like. He's not really talking about the game. He's talking right. about, remember where you've come from. When you walk out to play, you're walking out with all those people who stood by you when no one said you were going to make it or you're wasting your life. That, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And like, even though watching it there, it's like moving. It's inspirational. And I feel like Ten Hag is just going to give them tactical instructions. Yeah, he's a technocrat that for might sure. Work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that might work. And I wrote about this at the beginning of the season that the only people that have succeeded at this job have had ridiculous levels of charisma. Even the people that have had a little bit of success since Fergie, Mourinho, Van Gaal, have had have won stuff, have had charisma. Ten Hag, he's got loyalty of the players because they like him and they can see that his coaching is good and whatever. But in terms of getting you psyched for that kind of game, it doesn't. It didn't feel like the way... Like if you think about yeah. when United played Arsenal in 2004, to the first defence of the treble game, that's the kind of or the game when they the fiftieth game like that kind of rabid aggressive performance against the team who were better than you like the way that you beat a team who and just look at Klopp's Liverpool yeah it's a, like they got good players obviously yeah, yeah. but it's aggression yeah that's like, right running you United, off the pitch this United aren't going to go out and kick anyone there isn't actually anyone who could do that so um, it doesn't even have to be but it has to be it has to be confrontational it has sure to, you have to make it messy you have to make it unpleasant it has to be stop start it has to be all the things you have to not concede a goal after fucking 13 seconds <laughs> well, that i mean i have to say that sound technical advice tactical advice there yeah uh, you know in, in the 99 cup final and of course we're sounding like scousers now going back to the past all the time but his team talk at halftime was was wasn't tactical was it apparently it was we i don't know how apocryphal the story is but he said don't don't even come back without you won't even be able to touch your trophy. Don't come back without having left your all on the pitch. Right, no, nothing yeah, the, other uh, than inspiration there. And in two thousand and eight, the, the team talk. It's a bit like Postecoglou. He's saying we've got talking about all the different like nanny. You're from Cape Verde. All the different places the players are from, and you're all coming together. All these people from all over the world coming together to do this. And I mean, it feels and it's just sometimes. You need to communicate with people on an emotional level. I, it never really felt like the players understood how important this game was for the supporters in terms of they know, obviously, they want to win the cup for them. But losing a cup final to City, I mean, that doesn't rank very high in great days <laughs> that United have had. Really, no, at all. no. That, um, look, that said, after the, they could have collapsed. I, I mean, you and know, I was, joking with, I was joking with friends on what's out there is going to be 3-0 after 10 minutes. And it wasn't. They they actually made a decent fist of it for that first half and got a ridiculously fortunate penalty. Technically correct, but it's it's mental that you get an 80% chance of a goal for that. Obvious, obviously, but but they stuck at it. They plucky United were still in the tie <laughs> at halftime. They, they did. They... I mean, also, they got that penalty. And I mean, I think this occasionally, but I really felt it very profoundly at the time. Imagine wanting to take that. 
I just like I, I found it quite unpleasant. Well, because the, the actual period of the VAR thing was not was not unpleasant really because it came so long after the incident. Yeah, that you kind of felt like this is definitely a penalty. Yeah, there's no way they're letting the game go on for another minute, minute and a half, whatever it was. And then saying, there's this thing that we think, like, there's this marginal thing to look at. Yeah, no, no, but, so as soon as the replay came, I mean, it's like Rashford to Paris, wasn't it? Or, yeah, uh, yeah. They, they've got no choice yeah. but to give it. I'm above but, the head, it's going to always be given. I mean, the, the few contrasts with the, the penalty that wasn't given for Roma in the the Europa League final, um, the, the, his arm was slightly away from his body, but it was down. Uh, and on I, which yeah. point, Mourinho, man, like so, accosting the referee. Oh, in the car fucking, what, what a freak. dick. What a, yeah, what a massive dick. And I, 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 in general, and I've written about this, so I, there's a mere culpa here that I, I think that give, players giving shit to the refs is sort of part of the game. If you're going to be a ref and like walk, walk around brandishing cards and stuff, then you, you do have to expect people to take the piss out of you. And you're a grown man. You should be able to tolerate someone calling you a prick and just get on with it or whatever. But then quite recently, I had to do a piece about grassroots referee, grassroots referee, grassroots referees. And hearing some of the stories yeah. like women referees getting set upon. And I felt, okay, actually, I am some, something of a penis for saying that because they're absolutely adamant it translates. And... So when you do get that kind of thing going on, yeah, it then amps up everything. And yeah, but no one like being like they're, they're struggling to find referees at grassroots level, which means that kids don't get a proper game. Yeah, people aren't properly protected, and no one, no, no one requires that, and they like, they do need to do something about that. And I think that as football supporters, obviously, one of the things we like about football is it just gives you an opportunity to behave in a manner that you would not ordinarily behave in <laughs> and in which certain circumstances might get you a tickle. That is one of the charms of the game. It, it is. I, I, and I, I, like you have been on the terraces chanting abuse at referees. I don't know where the line is. And I, I mean, City certainly didn't cross it. They complained about the penalty. It's kind of amusing. Why would you complain after VAR has checked it and he's gone over to the monitor? And what, what, <laughs> what do they think is going to happen? VAR 2 is going to come out and go, no, no, we're going to overturn it on appeal. I'm surprised that his lawyers didn't come out and uh, so exa- object exactly. to it. <laughs> get, get a QC. <laughs> a friend of mine, I was in the pub with a friend and stole his line because he's not on Twitter, but he said, you know, I was like, that's a ridiculously unfair penalty. And he was like, yeah, but so sport watching, so swings and roundabouts. So, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, the penalty rule. I mean, I've written about this too, that I'd probably say this all the time, because just, we just seem to see a lot more penalties now. I don't know if that's actually true, but anything in the box that is a goal-scoring opportunity is a penalty, and anything in the bo- and anything outside the box is a goal-scoring opportunity is a penalty, and anything else is a, is a free kick. And, pe- and the argument that you're already giving referees judgment is not relevant here, because they've got to decide if it's a scoring opportunity every time anyway to decide what card they're going to show, yeah. if any. So this decision we're already asking them to make. So I think that they should just do that. But I mean, I mean, you, you expect it from professional players, but and especially from Bruno Fernandes, like one of your best players. But the stones to take that penalty, and also w- weirdly with him, because usually when he takes a big penalty, he doesn't do the skip. Yeah, which is one of the reasons I've been pissed off about him doing the skip before is because when you really want to score, you don't do it. But he did actually do the skip here, and he took it nicely, and then. It does you change thought. it up. I mean, Stefan Ortega, I can't remember who went over to him to give him a word, clearly some instructions about something. 
but he he had no chance. Ortega went the wrong way. Bruno fooled him. And uh, yeah, I, I hate watching it. You hate watching it as a fan anyway, a penalty, massive one like that. But uh, you feel more confident if they take a good run up and smash it. When they do the pause, hop, skip, jump, pause again, it's just it's too much. John Aldridge <laughs> in 1988, one of my all-time favourite penalties. But the rationale for that penalty is that if you if you once you're up and if the keeper goes, then you basically can't miss. Yeah. And if he yeah. doesn't, then he if you as long as it's not straight at him, he basically can't save it because yeah, yeah. it's past him. <clears throat> You've hit it and it's past him. Yeah. So I do I, I do understand it. But yeah, I just think that do you remember that penalty we got in the last like I was about to say the last minute, but it wasn't even the last minute, it was almost the last minute of the next game at Brighton. Yes, it was after the whistle had gone. Yeah. Yeah. So that one. He just drills that in the top corner. Yeah. And I kind of feel like if you can do that with precision and confidence, I would take that penalty almost every time. I mean, I'm sure in training he could bang into the top corner every time he wanted. Of course, again, they can hit a target from miles away. But it's, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I like I, my, my momentary feeling of, well, that was unfair. Well, it, no, there was zero feeling of that was unfair at the time. Obviously, it's only afterwards you can rationalise it. But, you know, and... So you have that, you know, go in at half time, they're on the up, come out. What don't you do? Give away stupid free kicks that De Bruyne can drill in. Or or or, or maybe the guy who's hanging around the edge of the box that you can know that you know who can volley it. Maybe stick a man on him, maybe block him somehow. I, th- I think mm. I, I maybe this is a product, and I don't know if this is just crap organization from the players at the time, or the city are now threat from set pieces. They're quite a big team, and we're quite a small team. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's what it was, but yeah, you, it, it it looks it looks real real bad when when you see that. Oh, it's a- and that one. <clears throat> I saw that there's a guy on Twitter, John, someone or other that narrows it down. Who <laughs> who's a goalkeeping coach? Yes, and yeah, he yeah. was not. He did yes. in the air. He did say he should have saved it, but in his opinion, and I often. I really know about goalkeeping, so I often I ask David Priest, another ex goalkeeper yeah. on Twitter, quite often, "What do you think about it? Do you think you should stop?" Because sometimes I see something. I'm feel I asked him quite most recently that goal De Bruyne scored against Arsenal at the near post. Yes. So to me, he picks the ball up, and I was watching it, and I said near post, I shouted out, "Just see where it was going to go." And Ramsdale's too late, and I, I remember asking, "Should he have saved this?" And some bloke started giving me a bother kick with up some other goalkeeping coach. What do you know about goalkeeping? And I was like. Ask a question. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. No, but, sorry, I remember he, his answer to that one because he said he said it so far outside the outside the post, so that's why he couldn't save it, even though it was quite a long way inside the goal when this yeah. is the the Borne one. I mean the, the Peter Schmeichel said he shouldn't he couldn't have saved the first one, he should have saved the second one. He's a terrible pundit, Schmeichel, but he, he probably knows a thing or two about keeping, so maybe maybe that's fair. Uh, Who was he supporting? <laughs> his last club or his uh yeah yeah so maybe that's maybe that's true i mean the expected goal is 0.27 expected goals are like on target the post shot expected goals 0.27 for the first and 0.20 for the second they're one data point and it's an aggregate model so take make of that what you will my eyes tell me he could have got nearer the first one he definitely should have saved the second one he got a hand on it he was just limp-wristed yeah it's funny you kind of when you're like the kind of packed, like, you're mate with yourself while you're watching this stuff. Because part of me is thinking, well, 
I've been saying for ages that United clearly, you can see they're a team that's already played their best football this season. Starting to think that about City as well, that, that the they may never play better than they play against, played against Real Madrid, particularly in the first half. Sure. If they play like that on, next weekend, then Inter do have a bit of a chance. Yeah, I think tactically Inter aren't as, as well set up as United are to disrupt City. But yeah, well, I mean, they might like, defend better, City, they were, they... City weren't that good. They they Dave made three saves. United actually had more shots than City, although that's what, partly that's game state, isn't it? And City were happy to try and control. Because um, it felt like they knew that if they really needed to up it, they probably could. But I mean, that doesn't help you if United score after eighty five minutes necessarily. No, but, and, yeah, and I agree. margins, right? You know, McTominay's headers a little bit lower, loops in could have happened. Didn't happen most of the time. City had control of the game and. And how it was, uh, how it was progressing, but but yeah, moments they were one thing they were not that good. And Ten Hag said afterwards he couldn't think of another side on the planet that would have been able to fight against City as much, or something like that. I don't know exactly how true that is, really, honestly. But they made a decent I mean, part, fist of it. Part of me thinks did United really think they could win? And I thought that at the time, because the performance, the sort of the the nature of the performance didn't exactly suggest. They asked Varane before the game, and Varane basically was like, uh, if you're talking like, obviously, it was, it's, it's a ridiculous question. But then a friend of mine was flying flying away the other day, and on Sunday, and one of the United players and brother was on his flight. And the player was not particularly forthcoming, but the brother sort of said, we never really thought we were going to win. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was once on a plane with... Uh, I was trying to think of his first name. From from London to Rio. Sat next to him on the plane. He had terrible English, so it wasn't great conversation. But there you go. Appropriate of nothing other than being on a plane with a player. Can I have a, I have a Fabio segue? Actually. Yeah. <laughs> so I was chatting to one of, my mate, one of my mates at the game, and we were talking about Mason Mount. And he was saying he'd need to make a change in his United team that he'd give one to. <laughs> and... <laughs> With, and so I, I, it, that, I put it on Twitter years and years ago. His uh, his United his United team of players he'd see <laughs> is number one David de Gea. I wonder if he's revised that. <laughs> Just too angry. Twin fullbacks, obviously. Rafael right. and Fabio at the same time, um, or <laughs> and then the centre back Wes and Evans. Then a midfield four of Ronaldo Beckham, cleverly and sharp, and then a front two of Hernandez and Yanisai. Right, right, right. There that, you that, go. That was, and he, he I, uh, someone's dropping out apparently. If we sign, if we sign Mason Mount. <laughs> but the other thing that I consoled myself with during the game, and what a fucking consolation this is, is it made me realise that City aren't that good. Because also, imagine what Guardiola's Barcelona team would have done to that. So yeah, talk and, about and at the peak, for sure. Yes, they uh, smashed. They smashed a much better United team. That's very true. Yeah, much better one, 2011. 2009's slightly different because I felt really confident about it. As it turns out, completely incorrectly. But I felt pretty confident about United. I thought In a slightly different circumstance, I don't think necessarily that Darren Fletcher would have made the difference in that game, although he would have helped. I think that if we just... At the key moments, Park missed that chance right at the beginning. Yeah. If Edwin let one in that, the near post, yeah, you know. They were nervous stuff. and I think we would have won. And Rio lost the header to Messi at the back post. It was an amazing header in fairness. But still, don't do that. Um, so, but it felt like 
if those two marginal things in the first six minutes or whatever it was, the, yeah. the Park miss and the Eto goal. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Eto is better than Park, and you could just say, well, the better finisher scored and the less good finisher didn't. But yeah, those were quite marginal events. But obviously, they were that they were a better team than us. That's why that's why they beat us so comprehensively. But it felt like that game could have gone the other way. The twenty eleven game literally not could not have gone could not have gone the other way. Yeah. And that was the best, probably the best, the best club team of the time I'd been watching football. Yeah, I, no, I, I think that's fair, and uh, yeah, it, it is interesting. Manchester City's like evolution this season. Yeah, a lot of talk about Gundogan and how many goals he scored. That's because he's playing a different role. He's much further forwards. He's getting into positions he wasn't earlier in the season. But City as well have have completely changed how the first goal's all almost in a microcosm. You know, they launched it. Route one, and it was planned. And they have they have not necessarily been more direct this season, but they've definitely played in a different way. They are they are prepared to get the ball to Erling Haaland much quicker than that might have been the case earlier in the season. I did see a, a piece of data on Twitter, someone from The Athletic put out. I can't remember what he called it. He made, he made up a name for it. But it's basically how many possessions do you get and how well do you keep the ball when you get it? Haaland is miles ahead of everyone else in the league for that. As a striker, he gets the ball. He keeps it over seventy five percent of the time, and, and it's obvious. T- so is that first touch because yeah. he's got a good first touch, or because he's got a lot of men close to him? I, 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 well, he doesn't lose the. But it's not about pass completion. It's he he manages to keep the ball. So he's got a good first touch. He's physical. He's he's good on the half turn. So takes the ball away from defenders it's part of the reason he's so hard to handle as well as his incredible finishing I mean they, well, they, they, as I said this thing last week they're, they're now a power team they were just a possession team now they're a power and possession team and which actually sort of makes me think of Mason Mount again because if you're playing a team that is a power and a possession team who are going to pr- probably be at least as well drilled and coached as you are as your team is then I don't totally see how you beat them with less good, less physical players. <laughs> um, and which is why I keep coming back to that Mason Mount thing, that Ten Huff knows that talent and mentality are more important than tactics and coaching. Mm. Yet Mason Mount feels like one of those players you're sort of signing because you know he's 24, so you think you can coach him to be better. And he's meant to be good at doing what you what he's told, that understanding what a manager wants. Whereas yeah. I want, I guess, someone who almost takes the man- what the manager wants out of the equation. Yeah, sure. He transcends all, all of that. Does yeah. all of that as read. Yeah. And then also has that ability to refocus a game for a few minutes or for 10 minutes. So it's all about them. Yeah. So like Wayne Rooney was a, that, that, sure. that kind of player. Matt I mean, definitely you know, isn't that player. He, But also it's not just about City, is it? It's a 38-game season or a 60-game season in the United's case this year. And you only play City twice or three times or whatever it, it is. And yeah. Yeah, and, and for the rest of the time, you do need options. And we've complained plenty of times about Ericsson not being physical enough and, and Mount would give you that physicality, whether he's got enough to the rest of his game to justify 50 million quid. Maybe we're going to so, see, or maybe we won't, because Chelsea need to clear that in uh, like three weeks, apparently, and it doesn't look like the takeover is happening in three weeks. So on that, but, so on that point about, I can't remember what I was going to say now, Good point. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way. I, yeah, I, I mean that was just that was just everything that one. But it was it was about City. So you you're right to say that you don't you only play City twice or three or whatever three times in, in a season. So 
And I think that that's partly right. I definitely agree. So we only play City twice in the league. That's that's definitely correct. But so the way Arsenal were able to stay with them this season was they found a way of beating everyone else twice, yeah. more or less. Yeah. And that was that was so even though they were obviously way less good than City, even though they were playing a little bit better perhaps at times. So obviously like you couldn't look at those and be like, I think Arsenal were in the league for most of that's most of the season, I didn't think. But until it's sort of, oh, they're still leading. But then they did lose both the head-to-heads. And, and that made a difference. difference. For sure, yeah. It, do, it does. But like, if you, look, United got 75 points this season. If you added a striker, more combative, you know, more competition in midfield and a decent goalkeeper, could United add another 10 points? Absolutely. It wouldn't win them the league, but again, a hell of a lot closer. So, yeah, like if you had, to, I mean, it, 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 maybe it probably won't be Harry Kane, but if you if you say if you 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 it would seem fair to say that Harry Kane's goal should get you fifteen points in a season, and if you get a goalkeeper who 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 doesn't chuck them in like like at West Ham, I mean, every goalkeeper does it occasionally, but a goalkeeper also does all the other things yeah. that the system wants a goalkeeper to do. I mean, sure. and even what you say about the takeover, and it may well be true from a business perspective that. The Glazers don't want to spend any money, obviously, on buying players. Whoever comes in probably doesn't want the Glazers buying players without their say so. Or perhaps they perhaps they do say, well, if the manager wants to play, I'm not going to fire the manager, so get him the player. Perhaps it would be like that. But yeah, it's it unclear like because I, I think that the challenge is not that United can't operate in this environment. Because they can, because they know what the budget is, the FFP budget is, in a much more granular way than than we do, and we'll make guesstimates based on contract length and stuff. But So operationally, they might know what the budget is. The t- two of the challenges are how they operate the club. Joel has to sign off on everything. Is he going to do that in a, a scenario where they're in the final stages of negotiations with a bidder? It's unclear whether that's true or not. And, and also... Like it's likely that a lot of this is going to go on the Bank of America credit line, right? So that's debt, in which case that changes the calculation for the incoming buyer. So these are things that could definitely cause a problem. I think one thing, and I don't think this will help us sign players early on, but maybe what it would be is that you know that you can sign, if you could sign Mason Mount next week, then, and obviously that seems, if they say that's what Tenach wants to do, then, it may well be the case that that's the, that's the transfer budget for the summer. You can do that, like without having it doesn't doesn't affect the sale too much. But then after that, maybe until the takeover is clear, it's you can spend from an F, we can spend, we can spend what you can sell. And I mean, I feel like I've said this before, but if you look at the players that could be sold, there is a lot of money there, especially if you get rid of McTominay and Henderson. Yep, who who are homegrown, so on on the balance sheet is that correct yeah. that, no that, that's correct from the amortization point of view there's no impairment from then either just, player this year and it's it's all upside yeah you book that straight away so that's henderson let's say henderson we are gonna sell so we yeah. sell henderson let's say like bottom end 20 million quid yeah that's also some that's also the lowest you would get for Maguire. probably get a bit more than that's Maguire. Yeah. if you make Maguire available at 30 million pounds yeah surely someone is paying that yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so, like, think of it like this a 20 million sale of, of Dean Henderson with no amortization charge on the books the other way is a 100 million pound player you can buy if you have the cash from a FFP point of view this year. Now, of course, it's a rolling thing, three year cycles, and we're moving to this percentage of revenues 
model under UEFA, so it complicates things slightly. It's 90, 80, 70, as we've mentioned before. So the target's moving somewhat, but if you simplify it and say, hey, it's, this is this is Chelsea's model, right? We buy a hundred million pound player, we'll sell someone for 20 million, that covers the FFP charge this year. So there's plenty of there's plenty of room for United if they can get the sales done. Henderson, there was a story earlier today saying there is an agreement with Forrest. I don't know how true that is. Someone, someone would take Maguire for 30. Surely, surely. Someone who doesn't mind playing a slightly deeper line. Moisey, if he keeps his job, would uh, like Maguire. Eddie Howe would like him. Yeah, Fred, Fred may go. Fred may go. You won't get much for Fred, but if there was an offer for him, I would 100% take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd take, I, I like. I think. I think McTominay is someone good to have around, but again, if by selling him for thirty million quid, I could go and spend double thirty million quid on someone better. Yeah, I would a hundred percent do that as well. I mean, that, I mean, I think bottom line is probably for a lot of us, there aren't that many players you wouldn't sell if you got an offer for them. Sure, Sancho. I'd sell Sancho if I could, if I got good money for him. Yeah, because... they they probably won't because he's on massive wages. So no, I, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I can't. Sancho is one who I would like to see him in a good team. Still, just there's like a little bit of me mm. that there's such there's such a good player there. Even if you forget about the things that aren't going to get better, like he's not yeah. going to get faster. No, but like last five... season he played with Erling Haaland, he got 16 assists. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, playing with Harlan's probably a bit of a cheat code. Yeah. But the whole assist situation, I imagine. I don't know. Like playing with uh, the original Kings and the assists with like Rick Holden in the first year of Fantasy League. But I don't, I don't think that, yeah, I don't, I just, I don't, he just doesn't have that, that devil. And obviously, if you're able to run faster, it looks like you have it, like Garnacho, but yeah. that Hutzper, that, arrogance yeah, that yeah. desire to assert yourself over other men sancho doesn't appear doesn't appear to have that for all his imagination touch ability to work space in the box he's a good finisher he also i sometimes find him indecisive where it looks like he's waiting for the perfect shooting lane that you might never get and sometimes you just got to hit it and see what happens yeah he's a give and go player and he needs legs around him and I'm not sure Ten Hag's going to build that kind of side. A- anyway, I'm pretty sure he'll be here next season. Otherwise, United you know, would have to no, subsidise the wages because there's no one in Europe that can afford what he's on, basically. Yeah. So then uh, we get rid of Zabitzer, Veghorst, Ronaldo's gone. Yeah. I mean, I'd sell, I'd sell, I'd sell both the right backs if I could as well. Yeah, I, it, it seems like there's been. I mean, I only reading through the lines of of the reporting. Not that I have any inside knowledge, but it seems like that has moved down the list of priorities. Given that Dallow had a good first half of the season, when Pesaka had a good second half of the season, maybe he feels like that's less of a priority than other positions. Yeah, I'm not. It's, I'm not saying it's not my priority position either. I just, I guess, it's part of what I was saying is I'd still, if I got offers for these players that were worth having. I would slog them because ultimately I don't think they're good enough. Yeah. I don't think they're bad players to have in the squad. And maybe he thinks he can make a player out of Dallow. Is he 24? So then he might got even be less than that, yeah. And hasn't played that much, that many games. Yeah. He does sort of have some good attributes. Like he's strong, he's fast, he can surprisingly he can do good stuff on the ball. But he's not putting it all together regularly across games after get, game after game. 
He's played all right some of the time, well some of the time. Mm-hmm. And Wan-Bissaka, if I was keeping one, I'd keep him because he just gives you something very particular that you might want at a time. Mm-hmm. I think I think the th- he likes, what he likes about Dallo is he can he's not bad at bringing the ball out. He can play into midfield a little bit. He like I think he's quite a lot in the same way that Martial is quite a lot of what he wants in a player for that position. Just not mm-hmm. good enough at, do, at doing yeah. all the things. But Wan Bissaka, even though he is better in that playing going forward, when it comes to what we call in the tunnel the tuckless. Like the actual with a thing that you're doing, something tangible. Mm-hmm. No goals, no why well, no goals and one assist this season. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and, it looks like he's doing more going forward, but there's no actual output to it. He he got booked for an imaginary leg <laughs> that Jack Grealish managed to fall over. At first, it looks like the tra- trailing leg caught him. The replay from the opposite side showed it was absolutely nowhere near him. Unlucky there. Unfortunately, didn't cost United. But no, I, I think your assessment of the right backs is is correct. Like they, neither of them had the full package, and I'm sure Ten Hag wants more. And if if we had the state wealth and no F, FFP regulations, then he'd go out and buy a couple of of full backs that were the perfect thing he wanted. But given given the list of priorities this summer, I'd be surprised if it, it seems anyway. I'd, I'd probably be surprised if either of them go, especially since Dallow just signed a new contract. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely not going <laughs> anywhere. But, but they're just, if you look at still, we, we, we still need half a team. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. to really, like, where, if you look at, say, well, if, if you look, look at Arsenal, our bench, I mean, we need yeah, more than half a team, really. <laughs> if you, if you look at, uh, if you look at Arsenal, who I guess are a team like it, they're a little bit ahead of us, but trying to do what we're trying to do in a similar similar kind of situation. Yeah. Like you're not going to get the money to buy big players all over the place, but you can spend some money, but whatever. He Arteta now has a player that he wants in every position. He likes he likes basically he likes he likes all his players, and yeah. he's going to get to upgrade on the one that he likes least in the summer because yeah. that's what, so we don't we don't have that or yeah. close to that yet. If you think like he definitely doesn't want to hair in there anymore, like imagine if you think about how pissed off we are about this. Imagine how like he's got no sentiment. I mean, maybe he has because he knows him personally, but he hasn't. He's not been watching this guy since he was like small and thin, yeah. Like, and now till he's sort of small, and sort of thin, more got. Um, so he he and he would have. He might have won the FA Cup if it wasn't for him. Look, if, if United had no budgetary concerns, he'd drop in a heartbeat. He just, there's like, there's, for all the great stuff that Dave has done for us over the last 11 years, is it more than that now? 500 games, whatever it is. 2011. I remember his debut was the first game of 2010-11. Or was it 11-12? I think it was, that game, it was 11-12. It was at West Brom away. Right. And actually, people took the piss out of him. I was, I was at that game. Yes, because they were sticking... Crosses under the, the corners under the crossbar, weren't they? So. He, he he did chuck one in, but he made a few amazing. I remember at least two or three amazing saves in yeah. that game. I also remember that game because there's a photo. I don't know if I've got it, but of me behind the goal when Ashley Young scores, and I look pissed off. I think <laughs> and the reason I look pissed off is because he basically he sort of crosses one in. One of their players turns it in, and then he stands like arms out, posing and. Ashley Young was one of those players, not even who I never wanted United to sign, who I never thought in a million years United would sign because yeah, yeah. he just, to me, he made, 
seemed so obviously nowhere near the standard of winger that United had had or should have. Yeah, yeah, no, so, he was he was substandard, I, and his numbers were crap, and he, he became a substandard fullback after that. So yeah, 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 no, <laughs> I, like he seemed like a really nice guy. I liked yeah, that sure. He seemed a good boy. He seemed a good boy, but. When so when he does that, and I'm pissed off that we've signed him, I'm probably still harboring resentment that we about Michael Owen as well, and and, and, Alan, and Alan Smith, just players who I really thought I never thought you'd sign those people. Yeah, and obviously I didn't have any dislike for Ashley Young prior to then, in the way that I did for Owen and Smith. But he stands in front of the away end with his arms out, and I remember just saying to my dad, like, "What's he doing?" And obviously now I look at it and think he's just set up the winning goal on his debut for United. But at the time, I'm thinking. You've got no business being here, and now you're making out like you're the man because one of their donkeys has humped it into his own net. Behave yourself. Yeah. I guess looking back, yeah, this is obviously one of many occasions where I feel like I was a bigger twat than he was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what a twat I was. Yeah, we'd start to point on Dave and and like all the things that were bad about Dave, he's never improved in those all the years in between. Never improved them. His distribution, his cross-claiming, his command of the box, his communication, none of it. Uh, so I'd save everything with his feet. Yeah. And and the things that the things that like people can focus on as negative things, not stopping the shots, throwing one in, have increased over time. And his save percentage is down. And and so of co- of course Ten Hag has and maybe still will point to the clean sheet record, but that is a team stat, not an individual stat. And so I, I'm pretty sure he'd dump him in a heartbeat if he had the choice. In a skip. Yeah. If, if, like, watching like all the old United stuff for the on these days I do for United Rewind yeah. reminds me every, Schmeichel dropped a lot of a lot of sure, bombs. He did. Like yeah. more 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 than more than I sort of remember that he did. And yet he was worth them all because he'd get you out of the shit so often. Uh-huh. And the care gets you out of the shit occasionally. But the, it getting you in it, dropping you in it, holding you out of it, scales are not probably not well balanced. He's made he's he's won some points for us this season, but he costs us points not just with the bollocks drop, but with the laundry list that you just that you just provided. That is all the other things that, and the main thing in the end is the way you, is the way that you're able to play. Yeah, because you have him and the confidence in, in in the defenders. He's just he's obviously no fun to play in front of. Yeah, yeah, and he he just doesn't do he doesn't stick to the plan at all. I mean, I, he must have zero confidence in Jack Butland and Tom Heaton. Otherwise, I think he would have done a Leighton on him. So you could tell that because the way that he was talking about him, like it feels like as you said at the beginning that he was he was equivocating a bit more about what is going to be with him because now he doesn't need him anymore. Like a few times before, he's been asked this question. He obviously needs to talk him up because yeah. he needs performances out of him. But I guess that is another probably aspect of the squad that is ridiculous. You you can't get rid of him if he's not playing well because you don't have anything. No, we've got we've got how I don't know how old Tommy Eaton is, thirty eight or something, who's barely played for three years, and you've got Jack Butland who's on loan from Crystal Palace, barely played in years, so I'm not sure what happened to his career. If De Gea doesn't sign that new contract and leaves, United might well be looking for three goalkeepers in the summer. First choice and, and two backups. Unless they, what's the Czech lad called? I've forgotten his name now, Kovar. Unless they believe in him, which they might do. 
he's he's been, he's been doing well where he is and good at all aspects. I saw. I can't believe I'm going to admit to this, but I have watched a compilation of of Matej Kovar keeping goal is in is it Sparta Prague or Sparta, Sparta Prague? Sparta? Yeah, is it Sparta yeah, yeah. Prague? Sparta, he's at? Yeah. So I have seen a compilation of him making saves. Like was it was it set to a Euro EDM track? Because they all have to be set. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember. It was I was yeah like I probably was my internal monologue was probably the loudest of like what do you think you're doing watching compilation videos of United's fourth choice goalkeeper? (laughs) Good stuff. Someone's going to do it. he, He has he has apparently done well there. So but he's not he's not coming back to be number two. That seems really unlikely. I think the, the likeliest solution is probably De Gea stays and we sign someone who, I don't know, maybe we sign someone who is going to push him for number one this season and then sign someone better next summer. I, I just, it's, it's just impossible to know what they're going to do here because the need is so obvious, but it's such an inconvenient thing to have to do because really you're not trying, you're trying to sign someone who's going to become the, the best in the world. Like you, you don't want to be, changing the goalkeeper all the time no it's very true and the and the keeper's available Diogo Costa got a release clause it's 70 odd million euros I don't think they'll drop that much money on the keeper David Reyes probably more affordable last year of his contract not sure if he's I mean he's a good solid keeper and he's very good with his feet uh is he amongst the world's best I'm not sure about that so that that would be one of those ones do you do you compromise on just getting someone decent or do you wait for a really good keeper? Because yeah, or do you probably or do you can't pump? afford the really good one. Yeah, or do, do you pump on someone you think is going to be good? So, I mean, Arsenal bought Ramsdale. Yeah. Because yeah. they thought they thought he was going to be good. Yeah. And he's been, he's been both good and bad for them, Sure, I yeah. guess. But they, and that's what I was saying before. Like they didn't sign Ramsdale because for a couple of years they thought we're going to sign him. Same with Liverpool and Allison City. And, I mean, City took him a few goes. Because he wanted a goalkeeper who was going to be the goalkeeper and stay the goalkeeper. And that is, that's what you really need to be doing because you've been forced to buy one. You, are, you absolutely must buy one. You can't go and buy someone you think is a bit like in goal because if it goes wrong, then it's just such an embuggerance. You can't do anything about it. It's very true. I mean, any other goal, Ortega barely played only in cups really this season. Just to look completely comfortable, I'm like he's probably better than our keeper. So certainly with his, the ball at his feet, it probably even better than Edison. I mean, the, the ball. I, I mean, I called it Route One earlier, but he picks out Harland. He doesn't. It's not a lump. So there's there's a couple of players still play. A couple of the players. I was thinking, are there any goalkeepers we've sold who we should who would be better than Defer? Because I was kind of thinking there are two players who I think could played in that United team in the cup final who we've sold in the post Fergie era who are still playing. And one of them is Chris Smalling, who I think is as good a player as Lindelof is. And the other one is Danny Welbeck. If we'd have had Welbeck, Welbeck would have played up front in this game. Welbeck was second behind Haaland for retained possession with the ball into him. So, yeah, still still can uh, control. And he's got great first touch, Welbeck. His problem's always been he doesn't really score that much and he always got injured. Smalling always got injured until he left United. Almost perfect fitness <laughs> record since then. So, yeah, there you yeah, go. Well, there's hope, Welbeck, there's hope think, for Phil Jones yet. I mean, I know Welbeck got done by the injuries, but he's the player who I think suffered the most 
from Fergie retiring. Yeah, him, 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 Raphael maybe as well, and Evans, but Welbeck in particular because what Evans had a good career. Welbeck just got injured all the time. I yeah. felt like Welbeck, well. Welbeck needed Fergie. Fergie, I think, might have been able to turn him into a better player than he eventually became. Of course, you can't just call him Welbeck. You've got to call him Danny. Danny. Danny Welbeck. Danny Welbeck. That's my... I, I used to call him Daniel Welbeck just because, I guess, it's not often that there's a Daniel who plays for United. True. But, yeah. I, my mother-in-law was pleased to discover that his mum was making Ghanaian food for, well, for Cleverly and Rooney and taking it into training. Nice. And it does feel like, because I know what it was like for me. Like, I grew up eating Ashkenazi English food, like some, like some sort of Middle Eastern Israeli food as well when I got a bit older, but mainly that, which is quite bland. And then suddenly, like, I'm getting, like, Ghanaian food, and it's just like someone's turned the lights on in my mouth. Ah, nice. And I imagine that's what's happened, like, when, with, with Cleverly and, and, and Rooney, you've suddenly thought, oh, my God, didn't know food could be this good. But... Yeah, I. Yeah, well, better have played for United. There we are. Pay for fair as that is. It? <laughs> it really is. There's a lot of work to do. All right, I guess that's it. Uh, no game to preview because our next game's against some in San Diego. I think is that right? I forget what the order of things is this summer. I think that I might be it. I am going to Leon at Murrayfield. Yeah, in July sometime. I think it's the middle of July. I don't know if that's the first one. It, my, I don't remember honestly. So, yeah, enjoy that. All right, back here. Stay tuned. We're going to have a chat about something. And everyone else, many thanks for listening. We'll we'll have some interviews and other nonsense over the summer. So we'll be around and just talking about transfers and the takeover. It happened if it happens. Hopefully, it happens. Touchwood and all of that. But thanks for listening this season. Yes, and thank you also to the person who came up to me at Wembley and said, yeah, we like the, I like the pod. Thank you for that also. Yeah, we appreciate it. I can't remember if I made that clear at the time. I've been to synagogue in the morning. But if not, I made it clear. Allow me to make it clear now. We appreciate the support. Thank you. Please.